this is Britstone with the podcast, The Petite Polymath. This is my first episode, um, besides me experimenting and sending a little inaugural snippet to a friend. And so I hope that you enjoy what I'm going to share with you today. Um, it won't be the usual format because my plan from here on out is to review a piece of literature written by a woman of color, curate a music playlist related to that, share something that is inspired or given me life for that week, and um, maybe wax philosophical on things going on in the world, potentially, depending on how much time I have left. Today, however, I'm going to talk about something that everyone's talking about, and it is Donald Glover slash Childish Gambino and his evolution. So, hope you enjoy! So I don't know about you, but I, um, I was quintessentially nerdy as a child. I'd probably say I'm still nerdy now, um, but as a black girl growing up in Mississippi in the 90s and early 2000s, I think I definitely drank the Kool-Aid of the idea that that wasn't being black. Um, and I think probably because we didn't have the internet web that we have now where kids are able to connect with every sort of version of themselves across the world. Um, I think that a lot of kids of color probably felt isolated in their little pockets of, uh, of majority culture and were reinforced with this idea that being black in America is a certain thing and if you don't fit this criteria you're not. And it's not just white people who tell you this, it's black people who reinforce this. Actually, sometimes they might have been the, the harsher reinforcers of this, of this lie, because it is a lie, as we all know that no ethnic group has a monolith. Um, but I, I think I definitely wrestled with that, uh, being in a small town in the South, and the only black kid in my classes, and, you know, not being super savvy with whatever pop culture reference was going on in the black community, not having the same amount of social capital because my parents were really strict. And so I didn't get to listen to some of the music or watch some of the movies or have some of the television references that I think a lot of black kids had. I also didn't have any black friends uh, growing up. Um, I did as a little kid, but as a teenager, I didn't. And so I was socialized with middle-class white kids. And I remember when that changed, and that changed for me when I left for college. Um, and actually, a big thing was that I wanted to get outside of that world and experience something different. Um, and I found a lot of kindredness in Donald Glover when I first heard about him. And that would be thanks to my friend Courtney, friend from college. I was living in Philadelphia. Uh, like the mid-2000s, probably like 2010-ish, 11, and she recommended this uh, web series called Awkward Black Girl. And around that time, um, I think also the show Community was on network, and I didn't have cable or networks at the time, so I really wasn't as privy to what was going on on television. 
Um, but the character in Awkward Black Girl was obsessed with this musician, Childish Gambino. And that is the alter ego of Donald Glover. And so Donald Glover, uh, his, his brand in particular of, of, of hip-hop was this kind of black nerd embracing this idea of not being the person that fits this perceived, uh, you know, uh, um, stereotype. And, uh, and some of the bitterness that I think uh, one might have if you don't fit in the world that you're told you ought to be fitting in. And so I immediately kind of hooked on to this and I listened to the, all the Childish Gambino music I could find. And then I found out that he was on Community. So I started watching Community. And then I'd, I love 30 Rock. And when I found out that he'd written for Tina Fey, um, then I was just like, oh my goodness, this guy, this guy is like one of my people. Um, the funny thing, however, is that when you're a black girl and you're nerdy, um, you often get really excited when you come across black guys who are nerdy. And then you are quickly disappointed when you find that maybe those black guys who are nerdy aren't very interested in you. Uh, or that their idea of what beauty is is just as mainstream um, as the belief that they shouldn't even be existing. And that can be really sad to come into face-to-face -face with. And I know that I, I watched this unfold, you know, I thought, it seems that black nerds should be united, you know. I'm out here too. I like Sufjan Stevens. I read William Faulkner. Um we should be able to have some things in common. And so, you know, I kind of watched his star begin to rise, and there were some, some problems I had with maybe um, his lack of interest, which could just be, you know, my own projection um, onto him uh, towards black women in particular. Uh, I'm the last person to be super opinionated about who people decide to date or be in relationships with. Uh, I think that you ought to be given the space to figure that out on your own. However, I do think that there is something very telling uh, about people who don't reflect enough on maybe why they pick the people they pick. Um, and I know personally, someone could probably turn that same criticism on to me, um, but if they talk to me about it, I'd be happy to, to discuss it. Uh, and so, you know, we've seen Donald Glover evolve further. So, you know, now he's written Atlanta. He seems to have uh, shed the angst of being a black nerd and seems to have hit his stride in embracing himself in this black indie culture that now we have. Like, black people can be all sorts of things, which is really liberating. And so this past weekend, he hosted Saturday Night Live, which... I was asleep, but I have horrible seasonal allergies and I live in Austin. So I woke up in the middle of the night, itchy, and as any person does these days, I checked my phone and I saw all this Twitter action about what a great job he did and how he'd also dropped a new single. And so I decided I would check it out. And needless to say, I was quite shocked. Um, I did not expect the heaviness uh, the darkness of the video and it was clearly very thoughtful and intentional um, and considered and I've read lots of think pieces for and against 
the portrayals in the in the video. But I will say this: I say that uh, there is definitely an element of distraction that is going on on a large scale in our country right now. It's not just black people; it's Americans in general. Uh, we have. We are at a crossroads where we can self-medicate with, you know, quick hits of social media, you know, processed foods, drugs, um, anything that will take us away from the main theme, which is that if we are not careful, the world as we know it uh, could drastically change in a way that will be irreparable. And that things don't change necessarily overnight. They are gradually smoldering until a fire spreads and you don't even know how it happened. You know, you see the, the small movements towards um, a breakdown in, in social fabric, uh, in community, in freedom by the small infractions and the small fractures. And I, I believe that from a, from a black woman in America's perspective, um, this video is telling us, it's really not so much an indictment as it is a warning to not be distracted, that of course, joy is going to exist in the midst of tragedy and terror. But we have to always be looking not at, the minstrel in the front, but at what's going on in the background. Um, and, you know, we could talk forever about the use of violence, the people who perpetrated violence in the video, uh, the references to all the different dance crazes, the, the calling out of popular culture uh, that can perpetuate the numbing of our sharpness. Uh, versus calling us to the carpet to be aware and, and alert. Um, but I think that it was really beautifully done. I think that it has left us with a lot to think about. I hope that this is not the last of the evolution and maturity of Donald Glover. I, I respect in many ways his ability to um, make everything about his public persona clearly his job. You know, we don't know a lot about him more than what he wants us to know. I'm guessing, you know, from the prior interviews a while back when he had, was honest about some depression and insecurities and things that he was talking about, that he probably learned to be much more guarded about the, the inner workings of what makes him tick and what's pushing forward the art he's creating for his own sanity and I mean, you know, we're not made for celebrities, so I think in large part this is um, self-protective, and, and I, you know, I don't know him. So I respect that, and I think the most vulnerable thing he wants from, for us to see of him is what he's creating, and, um, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I also think that uh, it's been helpful for me to be able to, to relinquish some of my own drama, drama's the wrong word, some of my own baggage about what it means to be, you know, black and quirky, um, and 
how do we do that in majority culture? And where is the space? And what is expected? And so I, I'm looking forward to the next album. I'm really sad. I think he's headlining Austin City Limits. And I unfortunately will be missing it. Uh, but I hope to see him in concert in the not-so-distant future. And so I hope you've enjoyed my ramblings. And uh, I'll be back next week with um, hopefully a book I need to read, apparently. Uh, stay cool, folks. The Petite Polymath is a creation from the mind of Brit Stone. In real time, hope you enjoyed. <laughs>